Welcome to the Lifetime at Work podcast, episode 35. My name is Greg Martin. I'm an investment banker based in Toronto, and I'm on my own career journey just like you. My days are spent working with lots of smart and ambitious people trying to grow their companies and make their mark on the business world. On the side, I record this podcast because the story of our jobs, how they affect us, and why we do them is important. Here we explore different jobs and different topics about the world of work with the goal of giving you more meaning, purpose, and love for your job. Each week I interview a different guest and this week we're talking about the big leap of starting your own business. My guest this week is William Bust. Like myself, he works today as an advisor to many entrepreneurs who are out there on their own trying to become really good in their field and build a really great business. He's also a business owner himself, and he's the author of a book called Intentional Mastery, all about mastering the field that you're in. Where the conversation gets good is when we start talking about starting your own business, taking that leap, how to know you're actually enjoying being an entrepreneur and a business owner. I share the story of my business and me being an entrepreneur and how that business failed and the many the things I got out of it and didn't. Look, even if we haven't done it, many of us have thought about starting our own business. There are millions of us out there. If not, you must know closely someone who runs their own business in some way, I'm sure. And there's lots of great stuff in this interview. I love that William, he's not a sales guy. He tells it how it is. Being a business owner can be tough, but it can be incredibly rewarding as well. So here's my interview with William Bust. William, welcome to the Lifetime at Work podcast. Thank you, Greg, for having me. It's a delight to be here. Great, great. Well, I like to always give my guests the first chance to give me the background on, on themselves. So why don't I throw it over to you? Just high level, you know, quick background to introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, uh, I, I started my career in the insurance industry. I had a 21-year a career uh, as an insurance underwriter. And I then left uh, just in the early 2000s, uh, left in that industry and started working with small business owners as a business mentor. And I've been doing that for the last 20 years or so. Uh, and that's been a really, you know, one of the best decisions I made in my life, I think. It gave me the opportunity to really support individuals who are running businesses and going through the stresses and strains, and at the same time, learning about them myself. So I've, I've had a a varied career, worked with a lot of different businesses in different market segments, uh, and uh, learned a lot through doing that. It's fabulous. So, what, I mean, what do you today? What's your typical capacity in which you're you're doing it, or, or uh, you know, why would someone want to partner with you? Maybe is the uh, the, the better question. <laughs> Great question. Um, I, I've been focused over the last uh, certainly the last sort of ten years in what really makes the most successful businesses stand out in their markets. What is it about them that helps them to succeed whilst others in the same market maybe are not quite growing as fast as they are, not achieving the things they want to achieve. And my observations and my research has led me to understand uh, what I call the journey of mastery. Uh, and I, in fact, I wrote a book about that called Intentional Mastery. Uh, and that's mostly the work I do now. I work with perhaps half a dozen businesses at a time, helping the business owner to really understand how to improve their own performance as an individual and as a business owner in the areas of what they do that they really, really enjoy and love and want to take to the world and bring value to others. 
And so that journey of mastery is is really at the core of what I do. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's the thing for me that really lights my fire as well. And so what sort of made you do that? Or uh, you, maybe you glazed over it a little bit and saying, hey, I had a background in this, but there was obviously something, there was a catalyst, I don't know if it was a moment or whether it was a situation you were in, or maybe you just got tired of it. But you know, what made you go from, hey, I'm in the insurance business, it sounds like you're, you're, you're working for someone basically to say, hey, I'm going to go and be an entrepreneur myself. And then not only that, help entrepreneurs with that. Yeah, and I, it's, uh, it's it definitely wasn't a, a single trigger or a moment in time. It was something that, that came over many years, really. But I, within my first career, I, I recognized there were some people who just stood out in you know from others. They had something about them. You know, we know when we meet somebody who's got something special that they, uh, they kind of exude the conf confidence and they they know what they're doing but they also know how to share that in a in a very easy way um and a, a way that makes a difference to the people they're talking to and it's always interested me is what is it about those people and it's not just about what they know um or indeed it's not just about the skills that they have um and that's why i started thinking about what journey have they taken uh and i recognize for myself that you know when i started in the insurance industry and when i started running my own business both those times i had some knowledge a little bit about what it was going to take but not a great deal i had to build the knowledge and i that first transition is what i call moving from explorer when you don't know very much at all to novice when you know enough to be able to do some of the work but you're still making a lot of mistakes um and the novices build the skills, they hone the skills, they become practitioners. And an awful lot of the people we meet who are working today will be practitioners at what they do. Good at what they do, they've got enough skill, enough experience to do it, but it's maybe not the thing that really lights their fire. And for a few people, they, they go on and they develop that skill even further and through experience become an expert in that field. And that's still not quite mastery. And it was it was that difference between the generalized expert, person who knows an awful lot about a topic, and those people who really stand out. What was that difference? And what I've kind of learned through the studying some of the psychology behind that and interviewing people who are, uh, in my judgment, in that place, is that they they have got a lot of insight, not just from the thing that they do, but also from all walks of life, from all of their experience in life, which they bring to the work that they do. And they're really good at explaining uh, how what they do is important and why it works and why it makes a difference to others, what value they bring. And mostly those people, in fact, all of those people that I've interviewed have all made intentional steps to make that happen. They've, they've recognized that they need to be intentional about being the best that they can be. Uh, rather than just kind of hoping it turns up, because it won't just turn up. You have to work at it. Uh, and that's been, you know, a 40-year journey for me to learn all of that. It's been bad. Yeah, like that's what I think is is super interesting. And the conversation I'm hoping that we can have today is sort of that that leap that you make. Because there's, there's kind of, I don't know, there's two leaps maybe, but there's sort of this one leap where you can go, you're in the learning zone, right? You're um, you're starting your career, you're trying to gain knowledge, you're trying to figure out what the hell you're doing and what you know, and build, building a base of knowledge. It doesn't sort of end at school. You learn a, a ton more after. 
And then you have this point where you can, you can make this decision to sort of leave and mm-hmm. go and do something else yourself, more entrepreneurial out of this, you know, with different skills. But then there's also this part where you have to actually get good at that. Like you're not, you know, there's no way that you are all of a sudden an amazing entrepreneur when you were in insurance a few days before, right? You didn't become that. You have to become that really good entrepreneur. And so there's there's kind of those phases. And so I wanted to kind of dig into a bunch of those because I also think that's super helpful. Um, and so maybe my first question with that is, there's so many people out there who want to be entrepreneurs. They just leave, they go try something. They all think that they're, maybe they think they're masters or, or you know, whatever it might be. But Uh, You know, why is that? Why do you think that what is the allure of sort of being an entrepreneur and wanting to go and and really master something yourself, etc? Why why do we have so many businesses, companies, everything getting started every day and and trying so hard? I think there's a few things that play into that uh, decision making. And, you know, not least can be a frustration with uh, as an employee being employed with decisions being taken around you that affect your life but you not being part of that decision-making process. So, you know, there's the boss, there's the board of directors, there's whoever's making the big decisions. And suddenly you find, you know, that's affecting your life as an individual, but you didn't have any say in it or no significant say. And that frustration can play into people's feelings of, you know, I want to be the decision-maker. I want to be the one that makes the decision. And probably they think, and I could make a better decision too. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so there's you know there's those frustrations at play. I think there's also um, you know recognition that when we are really you know when we've learned a skill and when we've got really good at it, that we want to uh, get all of the you know the recognition for that skill rightly should come to us as individuals, and it, that doesn't always happen in a big corporation. You know, it can get a bit lost. So there's a there's a sense of for some people, not for everybody, uh, but for some people, there's a sense of, you know, I want to be properly recognized for what I'm doing. For some, it's about money uh, and about, you know, wanting to have the rewards for the time, effort and energy that they're putting into it. And again, nothing wrong with that at all. Different motivations, though. And, that, you know, all I'm saying is there are lots of motivations for people to step out and, and run their own business and become an entrepreneur. And then... When they do it, they find that there's rather more to running a business perhaps than just doing the thing that you're good at and you enjoy. Suddenly you have to be a good salesman too and you have to be a good marketeer and you have to be good at what you do and you have to be good at customer service. You've got to do your tax returns properly and, 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 and. You know, the whole host of things that go with running a business that we all have to learn to be good enough at. And again, this is where my journey to mastery, I think, is useful because it starts people can start to recognize that if they didn't start their business in order to be an accountant perhaps uh, unless they are an accountant of course but you know they, they don't need to be a master of company accounts but they do need to be sort of practitioner they don't want to make mistakes they want to be good enough to do that well enough to make sure the business can run as it should but they don't need to push their knowledge and experience beyond that. that. That's something they can leave behind. They leave that mastery piece for the thing that they really want to focus on. Yeah, it's a hard thing. I mean, I, I put it to, um, I remember, I'm trying to use a completely different example, but I remember when I was young, I was, I was pretty good at baseball. This is very, T-ball, call it, or, or just, you know, very, you know, <laughs> call it very young. Yeah. And 
uh, I tried out and I was the I, for the rep team. And the rep team is, is a huge step. It means that instead of one game a week, you have like five or six or something. Like it's a big right. step. And I was the last cut. Like I was, I just made it. And I really wanted to do it though because I wanted to be better. I, I was just trying to, I was like, yeah, they want me. I'm going to go on the team, of course. And I hated it. Like it was awful. I was way too much baseball. I didn't like it that much. I was the worst person. Like, and it ruined baseball for me. I, I quit that year. I never played baseball. Like, you know, I never played any sort of, baseball and it, it was um you know a big learning i think that there's some of that where we hit a lot of ceilings in the places that we work and it can't it's not just money it's not just whatever it's it's uh, you know we're always just geared towards always trying to be better and improve and on to the next thing and at a certain point you just say i can't get that here i can't find a, any corporate environment where i'm really going to be happy or successful there and i need to go do it the challenge though i feel like is it's also there's also a bunch of junk you got to do like in, there was all these baseball practices i had no idea <laughs> there's all this stuff that you don't know that you have to end up doing to to run a business and so um yeah i don't know if you want to just comment on that in, in your experience and in, in terms of how you know how do you so maybe my question is more how do you know how do you know that it's something and yeah. elite take because we're yeah we're still on the first leap of saying hey you know why would i even go and try to be an entrepreneur well and, and you know we all see people in our daily lives who are at the top of their game you know the the best actors in the world who are winning oscars and all the rest of it the musicians and bands or at, at concerts that we see playing music we love sports players as you say you know basketball football soccer you name it we see those people at the very top of the game. What we don't see is the time, effort, energy, mental exhaustion, the training, all of those things that go behind that, that they have to put in if they want to be at the pinnacle of their game. And they do it because they love what they do. And you just described perfectly when you saw what you had to do to, to be in that particular team, you realized you didn't love it enough to put in that time, effort, and energy. And, you know, the very best entrepreneurs are putting in all that time, effort, and energy that you were being asked to do in, in your baseball team as a musician would have to do in practice on the piano or whatever instrument they play. They do it because they love it. They love what they do so much that they're prepared to put in the hours that are needed to keep it at the very top of their game. And... Uh, that's, you know, that's one of the things I think that we all have to bear in mind that the people who are really, really good that we see every day on the television or wherever, they're putting in time, effort and energy. And so where are you, and I'd ask your listeners just to reflect on this, where are you putting your time, your effort, your energy, and is it into something that you really genuinely love and take joy from? Or is it uh, is it a bit of a bit of a grudge and a bit of a, you know, just hard work. And if it's the latter, you're not going to reach mastery. You will, you could become an expert. You could become well-known and respected for that thing, but you're not going to be the very best that you could be. So find so, the things that you really love. A reason not to do it, I guess, or, or <laughs> right? Like, is it a reason to go ahead and try? Like, because I, 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 I might argue that if you really think that, you know, maybe you can't, maybe I couldn't be a great baseball player, but maybe I needed to go and do that because there was a lesson in, in there to, to see myself and that I could learn by doing it, even though I, you know, ultimately failed at that. Or is there something, you know, flip side though, is 
if I had stayed and not gone on the rep team and, and done the regular house league and, you know, sort of done the one game a week, I might still be playing today and might actually like and be much better at baseball. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I sort of generally encourage people if they really want and if they really feel, you know, conviction, but it's sort of um, one of those, make make sure you got a lot of that conviction or make sure you really are sure that you want to do it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's, and, and trying something, seeing if you love it, it's really important. And, you know, you're still drawing, because you've told me that story today, you're still drawing on that experience that, and the lessons that it taught you and that you will bring, you know, into all the work that you do. It's part of who we are, part of our identity is all of our experience. And I'm a, a real believer that no experience, however bad it was at the time, is ever wasted. It gives, you know, it shapes and molds us. Uh, I, you know, I'm a photographer as well as a hobby, and I find I'm I'm using things that I've learned through photography to bring to bear in my mentoring work with business owners. You know, things about looking at life from a, and, and business at, from a different perspective, and seeing, you know, where where are the dark corners of this picture of the business that somebody's telling me about that I need to shine a light on and see what's going on. And those are all photographic metaphors, but I wouldn't have thought in those ways without having done the photography. So it's, it's uh, you know, I think we just bring everything, the whole of us, to our work every day. And the question is, how much do we notice all the things that we've done in our life that we can use and all that experience that we can use to help us be a better podcaster or a better business person? Um, you, uh, like, so in terms of the, the pros and cons then maybe of just, you know, starting a business as you see it, or then we're going to make you make that leap. What, what, what would you sort of say are characteristics, you had pros, maybe reasons not to, Hey, I'm going to go start something on my own. <laughs> I think there's, uh, I, I think there are, there are lots of pros and, and perhaps not as many cons as people perhaps think before they take a step. It's a big step to take. And, uh, you know, there are numbers, as we've touched on, number of reasons why people might want to do it. Without question, one of the pros for me has been all the way along the journey is that I am now able to choose to work in a way and on the things that I really enjoy and that I can take a great deal of pleasure and pride in because I know I'm making a big difference to the businesses that I work with. And that's one of the things that gives me a great deal of pleasure. And you know, but there is, you know, there was an expectation, as I alluded to, that it was, you know, I was going to be able to make better decisions and run a business better than I'd experienced in the past. And and of course, fairly quickly, you learn that there's more complex elements to running a business. There are all these other skills that you need to hone. Like, you know, I wasn't, I was never worked in sales, and then I had my own business, and I had to work in sales. Uh, and I had to learn that, you know, when people say no, it's not personal. It's just that you're not the right person right then for them. And that, you know, it's not it's, it's saying when a sale doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that it wasn't the right time for the sale. So those are skills and things that I've learned over the years that were kind of hard lessons at the time. So one of the cons without question is there are going to be things that happen that feel like you're failing. In fact, you used that word just now, uh, Greg, when you were talking about you know failing with the the um, the baseball. I don't think you failed. I think you just made a different choice. That's all. Um, so you know that's an example, perhaps, of the 
the ways in which we can feel that things are difficult um, is hard work. You know, building a business is hard work. It's not going to be uh, as easy, perhaps, as it looks from the outside. And again, we've touched on that. It's why we don't see the hard work that entrepreneurs are doing behind the scenes. We see their success. But it's very rewarding. You know, on, a, on the pro side, when, you, uh, when you've had a success, when you've won a new client, when you've worked with them and they've delivered great work and you've done your best, you can take a lot of pride in that and be grateful for uh, having made the step that you've taken. You know, so it's think, all you. Like it's 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 yours. Yeah. You're not. You, you can't say, yeah. "Hey, that was yeah. uh, you know ten percent." You you pretty much got most of it. Yeah, I, there's a. I can't remember which television company it is, but at the end of their programs, there's always a, a child's voice that says, "I made this." Right. Um, I can't remember the name of the company, but that's not the point. You know, that it's the that sense of. I made this is for me, it's a really important part of it. Um, so, yeah. And I think, you know, we do get the option to choose when we take holiday and not have to fill in holiday forms and get a boss's approval. You know, we, we do get the choice to maybe take an afternoon off because the weather's good and we want to go in the garden uh, and we've got the time and ability to do that. And those are, those are good for your, Mental health, I think, you know, we're not locked into a timetable of somebody else's making. But we shouldn't think that it's going to be all uh, sun, sunlit uplands and easy work. It's, it's, you've got to put the hours in to make the business work. Yeah, I think I, I was mentioning to you before that, uh, you know, I, I certain career today in investment banking, and I'd left for a certain period of time to be an entrepreneur myself with a venture. It was more of a, a situation where I just um, it needed to do it. It was kind of a lot of the things you were saying. I was sort of reaching a, uh, not a ceiling. I just wanted to do something different. It was, you know, and that was the very obvious one. And um, so, you know, it was a re restaurant catering business. Uh, just to recap, some people will, <laughs> listening will know this, some will not, but um, restaurant and catering business. And uh, it's a lot of work. Like it is a hard business. The margins are low, but it was one where I was really interested in like the, the subject matter. I, you know, loved investigating other, you know, that was, that was the part that I liked the best, right. Was, was looking at other uh, concepts, looking at other things, looking at other experiences and, and, um and, and just seeing how you could improve upon them, do better, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a lot to it more than that uh, to try to make it successful and make it profitable. And um, you, you know, the pandemic really got us because we, you know, our business was just, really targeted towards offices and catering and and just a, um, in a location that just, you know, really wouldn't work. And so, um, you know, that sort of led me to the ultimate sort of exit and, and, and realizing that, hey, this isn't what I want or isn't what's good for me anymore. But I did really learn a lot about it. I don't necessarily regret, you know, financially terrible, but, you know, certainly from a uh, experience like, uh, you know, unbelievable in terms of doing it. And I, you know, feel like I'm a completely different person with a different perspective on it. And I can't really put my finger on why and everything like it doesn't really make sense. But I do feel very different. And and glad I did it in a lot of ways. But um, so I'll leave that with you and maybe to comment on the experience and and maybe what we try to get out of it. I think the in the end, it's it's the big paycheck that everyone's looking for to be that show of success. And it, it isn't always. Right. It, it isn't always. No. And you're right. The, the restaurant sector is low margins and, you know, volume, volume based. You've got to have enough people sitting at the tables eating your food. And uh, that's a, that's a challenge in its own right. You've touched on something there, Greg, that I think is really important. That you, Even though 
it wasn't the success you'd hoped it would be. You've drawn a lot from it and it's changed you as an individual. And that's part of what I'm talking about on this journey of mastery, that by drawing on that experience, you can build a better business this time because you've got that experience from last time. Um, I think you you highlight something else as well, which is a lot of uh, people looking to go into setting up their own business. Uh, they look at the revenue with very rose-tinted glasses and they look at the costs that they expect to have uh, probably in the same way, thinking they're going to be smaller than they actually are. And I would always... Uh, invite people to think about um, you know what would happen if your revenues were half what you're hoping they will be, and what would happen if the costs were double what you hope they will be. You can, write, can you make you can write anything down when you're planning, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, a plan is plan is only a plan until it hits the road, and then you find out reality. So, looking at the risks and the places where things could go wrong, uh, really important. I've run my business through two possibly three big changes. Uh, I'm based in the UK. Uh, and so we had the global banking crisis, 2008. That changed my business significantly because um, a lot of my then clients simply stopped hiring people like me and I had to, to change the business to do that. The second major one uh, was the pandemic. And again, a lot of businesses have been seen the changes they've had to make for that. The third thing being in the UK is, is Brexit, which has affected our market here rather than around the world. Um, a piece, in my opinion, of collective um, stupidity, but there we go. That's just my opinion. Others disagree. The point here is we, we have to plan to be agile, to be able to adapt, to see you know, what happens when you're running a restaurant and the government say nobody can go out for six months or a year. I'm not saying that any any business can survive anything. I, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying is those that plan to be able to manage a big systemic change that they didn't expect are likely to do better than the ones who don't. Yeah, well, I, I do wonder too whether that was the pandemic for my business. Obviously, there's a whole was good or bad, um, right? Like it brought me to like you know if it hadn't happened, I'd potentially still be doing that and. Would that be good or not? It's hard to think through that properly and really understand it. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's, a, it's. A, I started the podcast, and we wouldn't be talking. And there's also many different iterations <laughs> and things that 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 and, would. And that's and, and you just don't know. But at the same time, I don't. I don't know. It's hard to think of life that way, right? So <laughs> it is hard to think of life yeah. that way. And I think it's you know, and it's the the, the important thing for you and and for others is. The, you know, the pandemic wasn't aimed at you. It wasn't your fault. Um, it was just one of those things that happened. And some businesses can ride through things like that. Others can't. And they need, you know, if that's the case, making the decision to stop and move on and learn from it, take what you can, take the value from what you've experienced and do something different and make a real success of that is exactly the right thing to do in those circumstances. Exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. So there's lots of people that have businesses out there when you're in it and it's hard once you're in, it's hard to get out <laughs> when you're in it. How do you, there's this whole mastery thing that you're talking about of being really good in certain industries, very challenging to assess or whatever, but obviously you're probably setting certain benchmarks and trying to really control certain zones or areas. 
how do you know though or how do you and and maybe we can use the example of of you know my specific example you know there was things that i really thought i could master and most of it i probably couldn't i just i didn't have the passion that you were talking about for for all of the things i probably needed to do to uh to make that business successful um is that you know is that a reason not to do it or is there a way to think through how you can do it or how you can know or how you can learn from it i'm sort of trying to even maybe say if the pandemic didn't happen and I was still in it, would there be a way for me to to decipher and tell, hey, should I keep going on? This is hard. I'm not making as much money as I thought. Yes, my revenue wasn't quite as much. My costs are higher. Like, but you know, maybe I maybe it will get better. I think there's so many people in that situation, and I don't know if there's a way to sort of recognize it because again, it's hard to get out. It is, it is really hard to get out, and I think uh, in any business, doesn't matter what sector you're in, uh, when you're in it, uh, it's all-consuming, I think, for most business owners, for most entrepreneurs, they are focused on, you know, what does the business need today? What does it need tomorrow? What do I need to be doing within it? So my biggest single piece of advice is you can't do it alone. Um, You know, find the people, the person or the people to put around you that can support and help you. It's not necessarily people who are in the business. It could be an external advisor. It could be somebody like me who's a business mentor could be your family. You just need some other people who are there able to take that out external view and a less emotional view. Because when, you know, I'm not a shareholder in my clients' businesses, I'm not attached to the results of the business in the same way that they are. I am, you know, I want them to succeed, but I'm not involved in quite the same way. So I can take a, a higher level view. I can dig deeper and go more into more detail when necessary without having to uh, you know unlock things that they don't want to be unlocked and and often the thing that is really important is that question that as it's asked you as the business owner know that was the question I didn't want to hear because actually it's hiding something you know now I've got to face the thing that is actually the problem so that working with somebody who can ask you those awkward questions and, and expose where you need to focus. That's really important. And on the point of all the things that you don't, you know, you're not going to master and you don't really want to do, a lot of that is about designing the business well. Uh, if you've got employees, you know, thinking about what are the skills of their employees, where are the masters in your employee pool, and what are they masters of? So, you know, if you've got a, a head of finance and they're the master of the finance stuff, great. Leave them to do that. You know, let them tell you what they need to tell you about the finance if that's not your thing. If you've got, you know, somebody who's really good at sales, let them get on with it. Free them to do it and and allow yourself to do the things that you're you're really good at. And what I often see with uh, particularly newer entrepreneurial businesses is the business owner trying to meddle in all of those different pieces of the business and you know, they're doing it for good reason. They want to understand. They want to have control of all of the moving parts of the business. But ultimately, if they're constraining the person who's got the skill to actually do that well, that can hold the whole business back. So how do you sort of construct that ideally? You obviously at a certain point are are doing everything. And then at a later point, hopefully you're doing a lot less or you are delegating as, as you grow as a business. How do you how do you be there but not constrict your employee and also 
be supportive and make sure they understand the vision and, and all that. Well, you've, you've touched on it in the very last piece. Having a really clear vision, but not just your vision. It's got to be one that's shared by everybody who's involved in the business. That doesn't mean they necessarily have a say in setting the vision, but they have to buy into it and be you know, fully behind it as well. And be able, I think to, that's, and be able to recite it able, the same yeah, way, right? Yeah, and, and, and I know exactly what it means. You know, put, I, I always encourage people, again, it's a photography thing. You know, when we take a photograph of somebody, you know, if we were to take a, if I was to take a photograph of you standing in the, in the countryside, there's a picture of you. You're the center of the picture. But there's also a lot of detail behind you. There might be a church or a, an office block or a shopping mall. It doesn't matter. There could be lots of things that you just happen to be standing in front of. And that's all part of the vision that a business owner has, not just about what they want. It's about all of the things around it. And being able to describe that environment, the exercise I use to do that is I invite people to imagine that they, in sort of, five to 10 years time, they've just won an award for being the most successful business in their sector. And they're making the acceptance speech for the award. Who are they thanking? And if you can, if you can imagine that question, that helps you to think, and you know, why are they thanking them? What are they thanking them for? Um, and you can answer those questions and you can start to build and paint this picture of what the business is going to look like. And then it's, it's, a case of recruiting people to that vision, saying, you know, this is the business I'm going to build. Who's with me? Yeah. Um, and some people will say, well, that's not the one I want. And they'll go away and that's fine. And others will say, I want to help you build, build that. Yeah, you, you, mentioned, so you mentioned before the the loneliness part of it a little bit and just having someone to talk to, whoever might that that might be. And I wanted to mentioned because I, I I certainly felt that as well. It, it it's funny, you do get a an unbelievable number of people as a business owner coming and trying to sell you stuff. Um yeah. I've shut down the business uh, it's been a while. I still get them. They still people there are lots of people still trying to get me to help me with the business um all the time emailing and and but and then you've got you know people working for you and then you've got you know partners usually but there is a a sense of loneliness I think where you you really have a lot of the burden on you. You really don't always have a peer the same way that you might in, in some other positions or other fields. You mentioned coping with that a, a little bit, but even, you know, having an advisor, having someone, it's not quite enough. Do we just have to get ready for that to happen <laughs> or, or, you know, does it make sense? I think I've also found situations where, you know, if you have a very equal partner, um, it doesn't always work. Like sometimes there needs to be sort of one person leading, making those decisions, you know, having two, three, four, five people who are all kind of equivalent, also all trying to make the same decisions. Doesn't really set up a business for, for, I don't know, being nimble and trying to do all the things that it can do and seeing the vision the same way. And so curious if you have a thoughts on that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, again, a really important point. And, uh, you know, if you're running a business by committee, which is, you know, if you've got a board of directors, yeah. you know, four, five, six people in a room making decisions collectively, it's really hard. Uh, and it's really hard unless, again, you've got that really clear vision of where you're taking the business, because that's a great touchstone if you're working collaboratively with others. You know, okay, we're looking at making a decision about 
uh, I don't know, moving into a new office block, let's say, as an example, uh, you know, moving offices. Well, does that help us achieve a million dollars revenue? Does it help us achieve, you know, and those touchstones on the vision uh, can be really helpful in making collective decisions. But actually, ultimately, I'm with you. I think there needs to be one person who's got the final say and can make the final decision. And that's another aspect of it, that what you need when you're a one-person business, what you need when you're a three-person business, what you need when you're a 30-person business, and what you need as a 300 or 3,000-person business in terms of leadership is very different. You know, the very small business, mostly about self-leadership. The very large businesses is entirely about leading others. And you can have bits in between, obviously, as well. So, you know, thinking about those transitions, where you're going with a clear vision and what is the right way for this business to make decisions. Sometimes it is collective. You know, collective decision-making can be, uh, in, in some aspects of some businesses, can be really important. But if it's just you and you're feeling, you know, feeling that that's too much weight on your shoulders, then one of the other ways to solve that loneliness problem is find four or five other business owners like you who are running their own businesses at the same stage, feeling that same level of loneliness and get together once a month and just chew the fat together about what's going on yeah. and share information and knowledge that way. That can be a great way to solve some of the loneliness, you know, make friends with them and pick the phone up and have a chat when things are difficult. Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, good suggestion for sure. You mentioned, and one of the things that I found, you know, too, as an entrepreneur was just a lot of things break or just, um, and whether that's physical or just, uh, you know, someone leaves or you set something up, but it, it's not working very well. And that's where it comes back to you in a lot of times as sort of the, the, the owner or the, the, the manager or whoever, really a lot of times the business owner, when you have a small business, it's kind of all to you. Is there any way, do you have any tips setting that up so that's not the case? For me, that was one of the big burdens of of it. And it just really felt like, you know, at a certain point, you're just putting out fires rather than actually sort of growing the business or being able to be strategic or, or whatever it might be. And so I, I feel like, and that's really not what you sort of get into it to do. At the same time, like those things happen. So. And, and, I, and I wonder, Greg, how often when you were putting out fires, you thought, I should have seen this coming? In some ways, I guess. I don't know. It depends on, like, you have to always expect things, right? If it's a piece of machinery, it's probably the easiest thing. Like, it's every machine breaks down eventually, and there's a time, you know, and and you can plan for a certain amount of it. But, um, you know, you, you don't know when and, and all that. So it's, um, you know, some of it, you you certainly, yeah, you can you can kind of kind of plan for um but you, you know you're also making gambles and for instance you could buy insurance for your machine by by you know getting a maintenance contract and knowing you can call someone but then that's that's a gamble for your business right you're, you're then saying well do i can i afford that <laughs> so um yeah I don't know. so i mean I, what i was really alluding to is i think uh one of the things again that we, we don't necessarily take enough time to do is to just and partly because we don't have we all only have 24 hours a day and if we're using uh, most of our working time just to run the business, we don't have the time to step back and say, let me think about, you know, where are the places where a fire could start in this business? You've alluded, you know, in the restaurant business to one of them. Obviously, you, if the if the uh, appliances break down, you've got a problem with serving the food. Um, so, yes, you can plan for that, as you've alluded to with maintenance contracts and so on. 
But taking the time to step back and look at all of those things, you know, and then thinking about, okay, so the appliances could break down. It's not likely that three of them will all break down on the same day. What is likely is that one of them will, and that's going to cause a disruption. So what happens if the dishwashing machine breaks down? What happens if the oven breaks down? What happens if the um, air, air conditioning breaks down? I know all of those. You can just start thinking about what's my plan B on on for those events, because a lot of time gets lost when something happens that you haven't planned for. And think, oh hell, that's happened. What do I do now? Um, whereas if you can do that thinking a little bit in advance, so there's there's a kind of okay. So the oven's not going to work today. That's fine. We've got sous vide, we've got microwave, we've got hobs. We'll take those three things off the menu and we can do the rest of it. And we've we've worked our way around that. Now, same thing, let's plan what would happen if the if the hobs don't work. Well, then we take these things off the menu and we can do the others in the oven. So there's a there's a you know, then there's a you come in in the morning, you find out that's happened, you just go right, mark those on the menu, we're good. I'll call the engineer but we can get on with what we're doing. And it just saves that 20 minutes of panic and running around and all of those things. So a bit of planning, first thing. The second thing is, uh, I think, just getting really good at recognising your own emotional states and managing and getting better at managing those. It's a bit of self-awareness and self-skills. What happens to you as an individual when something big goes wrong in the business, how do you react to it? Do you are you calm and collected and focused on solving the problem, or do you get that rush of adrenaline that affects you that you start snapping at some of the staff and causing a problem? Thinking about how can I change that? How can I make me a better person in those times of stress so that I can be better at resolving them? Um, and you know that's that's an interesting exercise that I think is probably a lifelong piece of work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, as you're talking about it, I'm sort of thinking back in a few instances and sort of maybe even my approach. And I think that in some cases, you kind of almost, some of those bad things that can happen, you kind of try not to think about them and not to come up with a contingency plan for them because you think if you don't, if you don't think about them, they probably won't happen. You know, yeah. rather than planning in that, hey, this is this is there's a good chance or that it can, and you're just you're just I don't know being a gambler, right? You're just you're just gambling that. I, I think there was a lot of that where where you know you just kind of have to you just ignore them, and and then but then when they do happen, it stresses you out. So you know, from your point, I think it is a it is certainly good good advice to to think that through and try to think as far as in advance as possible. Probably like you know you scrape together every last dollar you have to buy xyz you're like well you might need a bit more because it might break or it, you bought the cheap one like it's it might not work forever um and 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 really you know think through that um that you know you can't be gambling with every everything yeah at some points have to really realistically think about the downside because or just what could happen and what bad could happen because it, it might it might and yeah and you know thinking about Having, you know, it's always difficult when a business starts. It's usually cash poor because it's a new startup. It's yeah, invested right. in what it needs to work and hasn't yet got the customer base and the the um, the reputation that it needs to have a good regular cash flow. But when you have got those times with good cash flow, to think about 
you know, here's a chance to reduce risk in the business by putting some money away so that if you need to, um, if you need to do something in a hurry, you know, I had a, a situation here with uh, somebody I know very well who um, had a sudden and unexpected uh, illness. And, you know, in order to, we have a national health service here in the UK, which in theory would deal with that, but it was going to take months and months. So they they wanted to resolve their issue quickly. And that meant finding a lot of money quickly. So, you know, again, I come back to thinking about you as an individual. What would happen if you were sick? How are you going to cater for that? Have you got all the insurance you need? It's we as the business owner of the thing that keeps the business running. So we need to look after ourselves too. Really important. You uh, typically you're not involved in startups. It doesn't sound like you're sort of involved a little bit later. I think stage in in terms of yeah. At a certain point, you're saying, "Hey, I'm you know get me involved." <laughs> it makes sense. Um, I, I do find that with a lot of I, I work with a lot of businesses too, and of all, all different shapes and sizes and uh, whatever industries, and they you can look back and you can see that there was a moment or there was a time or was a period where they kind of they really figured stuff out. They turned it on. They um, you know, they hit their stride. Sometimes it starts at the very beginning, but usually it's not. Usually it, it, it takes a bit to learn. And then and then you really find that niche that is you. How do you um how do you, how do you recognize that? And and yeah, how do you know? Because I think it ties into the mastery thing that you're talking about of really being at the point where you realize, yeah, you know what, I should raise some money and really go after this and I should really you know, go all in because I, I maybe I, I wasn't, a, you know, maybe I was 80% or something before, but I, you know, I'm willing to now because I really know it. Because, you know, in one case, you could be the most successful master of whatever, or it could be, hey, now I just lost everything. Yeah. And I, I think uh, part of this is about really thinking about that sort of shift from practitioner to expert to master all about building experience. And in that building of experience, reflecting as you go, around what is it about what I'm doing now that I really enjoy? And and on those uh, days when you have a really, really good day and you come away from the day feeling that was just everything's gone well today, reflecting on, well, what actually in the detail, what was it about today that made that feel so good? And doing the same thing on the, you know, the alternative, when you have a, a day that's really frustrating or things going wrong all the time, you know, what is it, where is it in what I do that these things are getting to me and I'm feeling that they're wrong. And then using that information to narrow down, to focus on doing more of the things that you are bringing you that real sense of achievement and doing fewer of the things that cause the problem. Sometimes they're out of your control and that's fine. You just acknowledge, well, that was a bad day because it poured with rain and the tiles blew off the roof and there was nothing I could do about that, but the builder's in and it's been fixed and that's great. You know, those things happen. They're not part of what you do as the work you do. But if there was a day when you had a customer or a client who was upset and was giving you a hard time on the phone for whatever reason, you know, thinking about what caused that and how can I design that out of the business so that it doesn't happen again, so that I can spend more time on those days I'm proud of and less time on the, the days that I'm not. And there comes a point in that journey when you just know that you've now designed the business that you really want to go for. And it, it's, it's often it's, it comes from the things that other people say to you, you know, who are, what your clients say to you and 
you know, for me as a business mentor, when when my clients are saying to me, you know, you've made a real difference, not just to the business, but to me as an individual as well. Those are the days that I really, really enjoy. And so I'm constantly looking for how do I do that more often? What is it about the work that I do, the questions that I ask that I can improve to make that more likely? Um, and I think in any business we can do that. You know, in the time when the restaurant went before COVID, you know, I'm sure you were looking at, at elements of the business and thinking, oh, we could do that better by doing this and we could stop doing that. That would mean, you know, we wouldn't be having a complaint in that way again. And, you know, it's that learning. And there's just a point when you kind of know, not a business I'm really proud of and now's the time to go all in. Gotcha. Okay, great. No, I think that's helpful. And um, my other question I, I just sort of had, again, as you're talking here is that I think we're missing something on the mastery or that we just haven't addressed it yet in terms of, you know, what you need and how you do it and maybe how you recognize it. So maybe you have a good sense for sort of what we haven't sort of covered there, but I wanted to give you sort of that question because I think it's a good one. I think it's a, a one that people should really think about is, hey, what are you actually really good at in your day-to-day in your job? What are you getting good at? Maybe if you're, you know, younger and off in your career and then you know, thinking about that whole mastery thing, like, should I, how do I think about it? I guess if, if I'm trying to figure out in my head or in my industry or in my company or whatever, what I'm sort of a, a master, how do, how do I think about that? Yeah, I think there's, uh, I mean, maybe you and your listeners will have heard about the kind of unconscious incompetence through to conscious incompetence. You know, we're unconsciously incompetent when we right. don't know, that we don't know how to do something. Then we, then we know, you know, like if I was learning to play the piano, which I've tried a few times in my life and never got beyond this, I am consciously incompetent at playing the piano. Uh, I'm hopeless. Uh, but if I practiced and worked at it, I would become consciously competent. I'd know exactly what I was doing and how I was doing it. And after a while, it becomes habitual and you become unconsciously competent again. Well, I... I kind of think that maps into my journey of mastery that the explorers at the beginning are unconsciously incompetent. The novices are consciously incompetent. The practitioners are consciously competent and experts have become again, unconsciously competent. So they just kind of do stuff. They do it well. They're not really that so ingrained. They just do it. They don't really know what they're doing. Mastery though, takes you on that step of making that unconscious competence conscious again in a way that allows you to pass it on. The great teachers, you know, the, one of the things I think about mastery is that they can explain the really complicated really easily. Uh, you know, those, those of us who've read Stephen Hawking's Brief History of Time goes into some of the deep physics at one level that's somewhere in between the two i think it doesn't make that physics really easy to understand but it's part way there it's some really complicated insights into how black holes work i mean why we need to know that i don't know but some people do um and and it at least at a level i was able to keep up with what he was saying in the book because he's got that level of mastery of the topic to be able then to it, break it back down into simpler things that we can all understand as as normal human beings yeah <laughs> here's like. here's what's important here's what you need to know i've, yeah. I've done the here's research don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. so 
I, I've met a number of experts in my life who, who genuinely are experts at what they do, but they can't explain it. You know, they, they talk in riddles and, and the complications just go over my head and I get lost. They haven't reached mastery. It's that being able to take it, simplify it and break it down again that I think really separates some people from the rest of the crowd. And they, of course, attract people to them. You know, when you're running a business and your clients, your potential customers, they don't really understand what you do, but they kind of hope, you know, they know they need something around what you provide, you know, the restaurant. They don't know what goes on in the kitchen. They don't know how you're preparing the food, but they want to have that really wonderful experience of fabulously prepared and created food served brilliantly that meets their need, you know, if they're coming out for an experience. And, um, you know, that a lot of what goes on in the kitchen isn't relevant to them. But if the chef came out and explains, you know, how he's put the meal together, he's not going to tell them every step, but he's going to tell them what they need to know that, and in a language that enables them to understand it um, and and enjoy it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, who is your, who should be giving you a call? I guess from you know as far as your professional services and and you know what's the what's the stage what's the ideal uh, type of type of person who you'd be able to help the most? Yeah, so I, I work these days with as you, as you suggested, not brand new startups. I think uh, my sweet spot is when people have been in business for a little while, they've uh, got a business that's working reasonably well for them, but they know that it's not doing as well as they would really like. And they're sort of searching around a little bit for what is it I need to do as the business owner to make a, a real difference. And that's where I can really help and help them to look at what are their skills, where are they at their very best, uh, where are the things that they can build on and master and become not just really good at what they do, but the best at what they do in their market. And then uh, to help them get recognized for that and so that people come looking for you instead of having to do all that hard lift of marketing and sales. But if people are seeking you out because they know you are the master in that field, then uh, building the business gets a whole lot easier very quickly. And who should read your book? Well, anybody who's running a business and is interested in that journey of mastery, the book's in three sections. So the first section is about mastery we've talked about that journey a bit today the middle section is all about the strategies that masterful businesses use to uh, be as successful as they can be and the last section is about mastering joy it's very much about you as an individual as a business owner and thinking about not just the business but how do you make your whole life um, a joyful and happy experience which the business is supporting Gotcha. Okay, great. And if and if people want to follow you, what's the best way to do that? So on LinkedIn, I'm, I have an unusual name, which is uh, very beneficial for uh, always people find, find yeah, it. You spell it right, right? Yeah. So if you search for William Buist, and it's B-U-I-S-T on LinkedIn, you'll find me very easy. I'm very happily connected with anybody there. Um, if you want to know where you are on this journey, then I also I have an audit on my website, which is conveniently called williambuse.com. And if you want to do the audit, get a personalized report with some advice on what you could do next, then that's at audit.williambuse.com. Gotcha. Great. Well, I will link to those on the website if anyone can catch them. Same with the with the book. I'll I'll, I'll put a link on there to uh, to where you can find it. And William, 
thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. There was a lot of uh, a lot of helpful stuff, I think, for not just business owners, but anyone who's ever sort of thought about it or, or thinking about it or or trying to go back on the journey that they that they've uh, that they've had, even down to baseball, maybe. So, um, yeah. yeah, thanks a lot for joining. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, Greg, and lovely to talk to you today. Thank you. Right, thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you're on the fence about starting a business, reach out to me. I've been there and worked with a ton of entrepreneurs, and I have lots to say on the topic. Likewise, if you have a business and you're trying to figure out how to make the most of it and the experience, as you heard from this podcast, you're not alone. It's hard. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you referred it to a friend. You can follow me on LinkedIn by searching for Greg Martin or going to lifetimeatwork.com. And I always appreciate you liking or commenting on posts. They really help promote the podcast. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, it's good to stand out.